And one of the things that helps us stay completely submitted to the Lord is repentance. Always understanding our sinful position before the Lord and that He needs to continue working in our lives. That is what makes us ready for our Maker. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about repentance and producing fruits. According to the Bible, we are flawed people, even when we have come to Christ. And the worst sin that we all need to deal with is the sin of not loving God with everything we are and loving our neighbors ourselves. It is very easy to see this evil everywhere. We probably live in the most self-centered and godless society the earth has ever seen. And unfortunately, the Church of Christ is not that different. Most people are just watching out for themselves and that needs to change. Today's message is based on the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. Let us listen to what God's Word has to say about this. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord. Blessed are you, Heavenly Father, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Heavenly Father, there's no one like you. Thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, for the salvation that we can find through Jesus Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, Holy God, that you please help us to understand your word, your ways. Help us, O Lord, to be able to take it all in like we need to. Help us to be humble before you. Speak to our hearts and to our minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. This is the word of the Lord. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his donkey or his ox from the stall and lead it away to water it? 
So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. We should not judge a person by the things that happen to them. Just because a person is going through hardship does not necessarily mean that they are paying for wrongdoings. And in a similar manner, just because things are going well for a person does not mean that they are being rewarded for good actions. This is one of the major misconceptions out there that has infiltrated the universal church. And that is that we judge success by results. We many times think that a preacher or a pastor is successful by the size and wealth of the church they have, or that a ministry is blessed by God if they have a major following. That is not always the case with the things of God. Earthly or worldly concepts do not apply to God's ways. God sees things completely different to the way we generally see things. We read at the beginning of the passage that Jesus himself declared that people that go through tough times are not necessarily different to those that seem to have less complicated lives. He referred to the Galileans that Pilate killed, that they were not worse sinners than the other Galileans, and that the 18 that lost their lives because the Tower of Siloam fell on them were not worse than others because that had happened to them. So we can understand that not everything that happens necessarily correlates to good works or evil deeds. Now we're not saying that there are not any consequences and that everything is random. We do need to exercise some common sense. For instance, if a person dedicates themselves to steal from others, at some point, they will get caught. It's not like it's going to be like, why me? Just like a person that doesn't eat a balanced diet and that they are always eating too much food that is extremely high in calories, that at some point, they will gain weight. It won't be a surprise. What Jesus is saying is that there are certain events that simply just happen and that there are bigger picture reasons for why they happen that only God knows. And what he is saying also is that you never know when it's going to be your time and that repentance before the Lord is the only thing that will matter when this is all over. You just never know when something's going to go wrong. And we do need to be aware that control in this life is an illusion. We have no control over anything except what our position will be before the Almighty God when we stand before Him. That is the only thing we can do that we have control over because that is a decision-based issue. And so I could be doing all the right things and be the best person possible for the Lord, but that does not make me impervious to the things that can go wrong in this world because this place is an imperfect place. Having said all of that, there are some things to bear in mind as you go through life while you prepare to meet your maker, because that is the purpose of this life. It's a place for decision. That's the main function of this world, why God has allowed for you to exist, for you to choose out of your own free will whether you want to follow him or not. The first aspect that we will look at is that there is a reason for why God allows you to have what you have, whether a lot or a little. The Bible uses the term steward, which basically means someone that manages or looks after what has been put under their responsibility. Luke chapter 12, verse 47 to 48 gives us clear indications of this where it says, And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall he be beaten with few. For everyone to whom which is given... From him much will be required, but to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. 
There is a reason for why you have what you have. You can think that, for instance, you may have certain wealth or power because you think you worked harder or, or made the right decisions or smarter than others, and that's why you are where you are. Maybe, maybe not. But the truth is that everything you have and are in this world is because God has allowed it and that he has bestowed what you have for a reason. That's why there should be no pride in us, especially if we understand how God works. For instance, I've known through my walk many, many talented and hardworking people that do not have much. They are not rich and successful, for instance, and it is not because they don't have the tools to achieve certain things. Circumstances have risen that are out of their control and that have not allowed for them to be in a different place, not necessarily a better place. I recall a certain situation when I was much younger that involved a very tragic incident. There was a young Christian man that worked as an engineer for NASA. He was a brilliant rising star, extremely intelligent. Well, the doctors had told this young man that it would be a good idea to remove a certain growth within an area of his head that was a little risky, but it should be a simple enough surgery and that he had nothing to worry about. Well, the simple enough surgery turned into a life-altering episode that changed this young man's life forever. The doctors accidentally struck a place of his brain that left him in a deplorable state where his motor skills were completely affected, even his ability to speak coherently. His physical state was comparable to that of a very small child where his parents had to look after him to help him survive. Why would something like that happen? He was brilliant. He was a believer. His parents were good people also. He went to school. He was an extremely responsible person. Can it be said that he had maybe something deep inside of him that was not right? Maybe, or maybe not. Only God knows. But you see, no matter what you do or who you think you are, God is the one that has allowed for you to reach certain goals, to attain certain things, to be whatever you are, and that does have nothing to do with hard work or intelligence or being responsible or being smarter and more prepared than others because anything can happen to anyone at any time. But one thing is for certain. You are responsible before God for what you have, for what he has allowed for you to have and be. God's expectation is that you do good works, granted, after you have come to know him personally and that all things are done for him and through him. We can't just go by our great ideas or initiatives. This is the whole concept of lordship. In order for there to be salvation, for starters, Jesus must be the literal Lord of your life. He cannot just be your savior. Jesus being our savior is a consequence of our decision for making him the Lord of our lives. But if you just look for him for that service, if you will, that he just save you, then you have not come to the full purpose of your existence. And quite frankly, you will not be saved if that's all you're looking for, for a service from God. The Bible is very explicit in that Jesus needs to be the Lord of our lives. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 10, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Does God want to save you through Jesus Christ? Of course. That's why Christ died on the cross. But we need to come to the full realization of our purpose. And the only way that happens is through his lordship. By submitting our lives completely to him, which in turn will lead us to what we are made to do. 
Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you see, we were made, created in Christ Jesus for good works and to use what we have for him. And one of the things that helps us stay completely submitted to the Lord is repentance. Always understanding our sinful position before the Lord and that he needs to continue working in our lives. That is what makes us ready for our maker. For when that day comes, when we all stand and give an account before God for our actions, for what we have done, or not done with everything he has allowed for us to have. Now, if we go to the following point in our key passage, where he talks about the fig tree, and that it will get cut down if it does not bring forth fruit, it will help us to understand that something needs to be produced in our lives. We can't just exist, and least of all, to serve our own desires and needs and wants. Before the eyes of God, that makes us useless, and sooner or later, yes, he will cut us down, and whenever that happens, it will be the end of the opportunity to produce fruit for him. Herein lies the purpose for our existence. We were made with a purpose, and that is to produce fruit for God. God didn't just make us so we could live for ourselves. We are created beings with the sole purpose to serve him, and the only way we can produce the fruit he is looking for is through him. In John chapter 15, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you, speaking of the disciples. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. So you see, it's quite definitive. We need to abide in Christ. And while we abide in Christ, we need to produce fruit. And if a person does not abide in Christ, then they will get cut off at some point gathered with others and thrown into the fire. God did not make us to use up space. He loves us and he saves us through Jesus Christ, but we need to live for him. We need to follow him. We need to produce for him. This is the one greatest problems with Christian doctrine that is out there today. There are people that sell garbage. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is not about self-help. The moment you turn the things of the gospel to serve you, your purposes is the moment you have let go the true intentions of God's grace and have pushed away your own salvation. The only way you can help yourself is by turning your attention away from yourself and towards the Lord. But if your attention is on you and the reason for why you do the things that you do is for yourself, you are still lost. And if you don't turn away from that, if you don't repent, you will die in that state. And after that, there is nothing that can be done except await God's judgment for your life. This is very serious business because we're talking about your life, about your soul, about what will happen with you in eternity if you don't stay focused on Christ, if you don't abide in the Lord, if you ultimately do not produce the fruit that he is looking for. So how do we stay focused? How do we maintain our eyes where they need to be? 
we always, 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 always need to keep at the forefront what Jesus said. In Mark chapter 12, it says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. How can we effectively love God above all things and with everything we are? by giving him the priority, by letting him lead, by doing his will, just like Jesus prayed, thy will be done. Even when Jesus was just moments away from going through the worst experience anyone could ever go through, from being sacrificed, he prayed to the Father in this manner, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's our example. That's how we need to lead our lives. And as a product of that love relationship with the Lord, then because of that, then we should love our neighbor as ourselves and never the other way around. In other words, I should never look to do good to my neighbor because of my neighbor or for the sake of my neighbor. I should love and serve my neighbor because my love for God compels me to do so. The Lord needs to be the reason for why I love my neighbor as myself. And of course, James chapter 2 then teaches about the following. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so this displays one of the things that composes the fruit of the Spirit that the Bible talks about, love. Nothing in your life will be of any good unless there is love. Love is everything, but our love needs to be focused on the Lord and everything else should stem out of that. That's why if we look at the last part of today's passage, where Jesus confronts the Pharisees in their hypocrisy. We see that the Pharisees had no love for God and could care less about their neighbor. They were willing to break the law of God for their ox or for their donkey, which are ultimately possessions, than for a poor woman that had been suffering for 18 years with a terrible ailment. And more than likely, they never did anything for her. The Pharisees only loved themselves and looked for their own interests. And you know, a person that just watches for their own interests and never looks to love God or their neighbor is just as bad as these Pharisees. And no matter how they try to make other people look at them, they will be judged and cast into the eternal fire without question because they are not fulfilling the very purpose God made them for. And if people do not repent from this evil, their time will come and God will judge them accordingly. 
That is why we need to lead repentant lives before the Lord and produce what we need to produce through the grace of God in Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the only way we can lead, transform lives and fulfill God's purpose for us. This spirit of selfishness is the worst problem we have today, both inside and outside of the church. That most people are just looking to live for themselves without any kind of regard for God and for others. This sin is what is plaguing most things today. It's all about me, 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 me. What God can do for me, what I can do for myself, what others can give me, how I can make myself happy, how others can make me happy, how I can achieve my goals, how I can get my expectations met. That is why first we're failing as Christians. And this is also why families and relationships are falling apart. This is why children are all screwed up. This is the main reason for why the world is in the shape it is. There is just no regard for God. Hardly anyone looks to love the Lord above all things. And make no mistake, God will not let something like that go. No matter how much people try to brainwash themselves thinking that God is good and that He is merciful and that He loves us, God will not forgo the whole reason for why He made us. If something does not serve a purpose, it will be discarded. And before the Lord, that translates into eternal fire. God has and will give you opportunities to turn from this evil, but the opportunities cease when your time is up. Then there are no more opportunities. There are no more do-overs. There is no give me another chance. That is why Jesus gave us more than fair warning when he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and then many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And what is the Father's will? That we love God with everything we are, and that we love our neighbors ourselves. It is that simple. That is why he urges everyone to understand where they are before God and to repent if they have to, because you never know when it's going to be your time. It is in our own best interest for the Lord to find us repentant and producing fruit. Otherwise, we can only anticipate the most fearful experience any human will ever live. Through Jesus Christ, by abiding in Him, we can enjoy God's love forever. And that, my friends, is God's good intention for us. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise you and I worship you. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we need to have humble hearts before you. We need to repent from our sins. And Lord God, the thing that we need to mostly repent from is from Lord not giving you first place. Because, Lord God, that's one of the problems that we mostly have is that we put so many other things first if we're truly honest and sincere. There are so many other things that we give priority that, and, and, and you always take a back seat to a lot of different things. And that's just wrong. And it's unfair. Heavenly Father, please forgive us for this sin. Please forgive us for our hardness of heart, Lord God. Help us, O oh Lord, to be repentant. Please forgive me when I do that, Lord God, when I sin against you in that manner. Heavenly Father, help us, O oh Lord, to always be able to give you that first place, to be able to love you above all things, and that as a result of that love that we have for you, help us, O oh Lord, to love our neighbors as ourselves, Lord God. Heavenly Father, 
I pray in the name of Jesus for every person that's listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, you may just help them to be aware of what's happening. And if something needs to change in their lives, help them to do so, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. We would love to help. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for other podcasts in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.